Welcome to Production Brief, a podcast for the advertising production industry. Each episode, we interview members of our industry to hear their views on working during COVID-19. My name is Mark Welker, and with me is someone who sort of sounds like Brendan, but just a little bit different. Yeah, a little bit different today. I'm a little bit croaky today. I've got a cold. Um, I have gone and had my COVID test, and uncomfortable as it was, I'm happy to say that I'm negative, which is good. Oh, that is good. In today's episode, we're chatting to Andrew Stelf of Mr. Fox. Um, they're a post studio here in Melbourne. Yeah, they, they sort of specialise in advertising and um, all the way through from, from offline to, to colour grades, flame work and, and final, final online. Yeah, and right now we're going through a pretty interesting stage of this unfolding COVID crisis. Yeah. And, you know, our ways of working have really changed over the last, well, we're getting on like five months now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really wanted to touch base with the post side of the advertising equation and see how workflows have changed, see how we're dealing with collaboration and working remotely um, during an edit uh, and also get uh, a view into what kind of jobs are going through post houses right now. I guess one of the interesting things you, you sort of brought up then was was the idea of collaboration. And of course, during during COVID times, you can't necessarily have a director in there with you in, in your first pass of an edit. You can't really do offline presentations where you'll have three people from the agency sitting in the edit suite. You can't do that final client presentation in a room. Everything has to be done done remotely, which opens you up to a lot of potential problems, really. Mm. Andrew's been in the industry since the early 2000s. So we do sort of speak a little bit about how the business of Post has changed during that time mm. and how the digitization of footage has really driven a lot of change into, you know, what the life of an editor is like in 2020. So let's take a listen to what Andrew's got to say. All right, so welcome Andrew Stelf from uh, Mr. Fox. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. No worries. Tell me a little bit about um, you and your your background and, and then Mr. Fox and, and how that all started. Okay, so my background is I'm an editor um, and I started at a company called Mike Reed's Post-Production in 2000. I started there when I was 19. I remember the first day in, you know, it was, they were, they were, I was told it was advertising. I was like, oh, okay, whatever, I'll do it for a bit. And then, mm. and then go to BCA again or whatever. And the first person that was in there was Richard Lowenstein and they were finishing up. He died with a falafel in his hand. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, um, and they're like, oh, we don't normally do long form. But then I realized that all the people, the directors were the same directors that yeah. did advertising and did films. I remember one day, um, this editor, Seth, he was um, cutting this Levi's commercial and he said, oh, I need you to go down to the grade because I've got to start the next job. Mm. Um, can you drive the director down uh, to the to the color grade and, mm-hmm. and sit with him and just check it's all cool and then come back at the end and bring the tape? It's mm. like, oh, okay, cool, no problem. And that, that was a typical assistant editor job and it was Andrew Dominic and um, he's just finished Chopper at that time and oh, wow. I'm just like asking him how he did everything and I thought this is way better than film school. So mm. I kind of just skip that and my film school was working at Mike Reed's. And you've been in sort of advertising world since or have you done any long form? I've cut a few documentaries. I was always interested in that and that's what I wanted to do at a certain point. And then, and and at one point I had a crisis of like, hey, I'm doing advertising. <laughs> you know, it's it's fun and I love the people and it's great, but it, it isn't maybe as fulfilling. And I started looking into 
taking documentaries more serious. And then I, I sort of looked at the money and I was like, oh, you know, mm. this can be at least in advertising. I'm, you know, I can afford to pay rent and stuff, which yeah. I, I know good documentary editors can as well, but it's like I, I would have been starting out. So, yeah, I mean, Adland's kind of getting interesting though as well in that, in that there's longer form pieces of content, I guess, um, yep. being made as well. So although it's not a 90-minute feature film, you may have a five-minute little film um, for a brand or something which which might help um, scratch that itch a bit. Totally. And, and you know, the, I mean, you're getting longer commercials as well. Like you, mm. when I started, the 90-second was the big commercial that you wanted to cut mm. um, and that sort of went to 60 and then it's 30 and now you're getting that back but it tends to be part of a content piece with a million other things and so you end up doing 50 deliverables with six second five six second or 10 six second versions Mm. 10 second you know cut downs and you don't spend as much time doing the fun part that you want to do yeah which is the 90 second storytelling in in adland um, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, you sort of feel the challenge and accept the challenge of a six second as well and trying to figure oh, out totally. how can you best tell a story in six seconds. Yeah. And, and you know, when an agency uh, and a creative team and a client, they, they actually think about a six second and try and make it interesting and, and work with the medium, um, that's good. You know, then that's fun. And it's just you don't get that as much, I think. And I think a lot of those become... Uh, just dot points in the deliverable list, yeah, and and um, which is you know, hey, uh, you can't if you focused head hours would be astronomical if everyone worried a lot about every single thing that they're delivering, and they should, but it doesn't always, you know, the ideal situation doesn't always come out in production or post or mm-hmm. agency you know what i mean um there's it's tricky in that way oh yeah i think i think everybody's getting better at it now with setting those expectations up front but but early on there was so many briefs that come through and you'd produce the ad and then you'd find out you need a six second portrait version of it and you're like well and it hasn't been shot that way it hasn't been shot that way it's not designed to be told in six seconds it's just impossible but from mr fox's perspective it's it's all advertising it's all tvc yeah yep how do you see that the business of editing or the business of post has changed the most over you know over 20 years uh the digitization was huge so I was, uh, I remember Red came out and no one really paid any attention in high-end commercial land. Um, everyone was shooting 35. And, and I remember doing my first 30, job on 35 because low-budget jobs were 16. So I'd be cutting jobs on 16. And then I remember getting my first 35 going, oh, wow, I've kind of made it, you know. What mm-hmm. I mean? um, and that was still the case. And... It wasn't until the Alexa came out that this digitization of the industry um, really shook it up. You'd, you'd spend a lot of money on film and film processing, t- rushes, transfers, telecine, all of that sort of stuff. It, it wasn't the hardest thing in the world, but you'd always go into a digital, like Avid to edit or whatever. You'd have to digitize it at some point. Once you went to Alexa, everything sped up a lot quicker. Basically, you'd get a hard drive, transcode it, start editing a lot quicker um, and the turnarounds just shortened and the expectations uh, like budgets decreased, but because you weren't doing all the telecine and all and the days required for all of that sort of workflow and net cutting and stuff, you, you could accommodate the budgets being less. Yeah. Um, 
so it's it's those things went hand in hand so you know um and and i think a lot of the money went from equipment and hardware and capital side of the business to the operators so operators would get paid could get paid more and that sort of stuff and then it became more of a service business and skill based rather than which it, you, you know a good colorist was always a skill based thing but they also needed a, a um you know four million dollar or a million dollar telecine chain now it's mm. a free version of resolve and you're a colorist right so mm. um and the skill and and you see that skill gap between a really good colorist and a and a you know starting out colorist um there's a huge gap there in skill but the software that they're using is the exact same and it's and it's effectively free so mm. that's been a huge change do you feel like the pace of the the number of jobs like are you getting better quicker um, because it's digitized and we sort of um, we have this fast turnaround but do you still feel like you're outputting the same amount i'm, I'm not a let's say a slow editor um i mm-hmm. consider myself pretty quick but some of the um efficiencies of digital also slow things down um so just the amount of rushes that you receive now is astronomical um yeah. compared to what it was on film so producers used to like I, I remember having a chat with a producer and she's like oh i hate i hate the alexa and i said oh, why do you hate the alexa and she goes oh i used to um control my director by how many um lab rolls or uh, camera rolls would have on set right so you'd you'd go you'd, we've got 10 shots we've got 10 rolls so you basically got a roll of shots and so if you don't get your takes you know if you do five takes or eight takes or whatever mm. and then you have to do a, a camera roll change the director then knows okay i'm going i'm going into my next future takes that i could potentially do right mm. um and now they can just keep going and so on set it's not the end of the world but but for me i just now get i used to get 45 minutes of rushes a day or something like that on 35 which was mm. three lab rolls and now i'm getting you know, two hours, two cameras, you know, so four hours or something. Like I just get this astronomical amount of footage that I then have to watch. And and in telecine, you know, I'd be there at 6 a.m. I'd watch it get transferred to tape and then I'd take that and digitize it into my Avid, which was real time. So I'd watch it twice before I did a select. Now I've got to get through four hours of footage where I haven't seen anything. I don't know, you know, that they got better at the end or, or they, you know, I mean, performance is normally best at the start they go on a valley of of death and then they come back up and get good at the end is tends to be how it goes but sometimes you get the magic bit in the middle so i always watch all the rushes um and but i don't know any of that going in so then now i'm trying to sift through giant amounts of footage i've still got you know four or five days to edit a 30 second commercial but i'm spending way more time on just sifting than i am on um fine tuning and that sort of part of it to get a first presentation edit together for the director. And does that add um, like uh, extra responsibility? Like do people use editors in in almost a directorial role because of the amount of footage that comes through? Because obviously in a perfect world, you would have a a director there who can give notes on everything that they've shot. Um, But does that still happen? Uh, Sometimes you you get notes. Um, These are the takes, these are the go takes. And I'll always watch all the takes anyway um, Mm -hmm. because I want to know what happened. Um, And I I think you just, as an editor, you get chosen, your director chooses you um, because you've got similar taste and you've got a, you can communicate to each other quite easily um 
I'm the quick access. I'm there. Like the way I see editing is that a director wants, you know, like they can't mind control a computer to make it do what they want it to do. Mm. But hopefully I can effectively be that. Like if they say, you know, that shot, I remember I used to do hold views and, and there was always this, they'd shot a lot of people and the, the creative would always like one of the creatives who I loved, he would be like, Oh, you know, what about the, the Mary Claire? And I'd be able to pull it up in, I don't know, five or six seconds, no matter which job I was in. Cause I would always have my rushes were always immaculately organized mm. and I could pull up the shot that he wanted and I'd know what he wanted, you know? And, and so I'm effectively that transition, but a good editor is the transition between the computer and the, or like the, the footage or the pile or the reels of film or whatever and mm. the director's idea of what they want um, and being able to do that quickly is is the skill it's not actually the you know putting the shots together and all of that sort of stuff is important but that's a skill that a lot of people can do and just experience on the tools is you know um, gets you there but um, it's the relationship part and the the communication part that becomes the where a good editor shines I think at least so just going back to what you were saying earlier, you obviously have that sort of day with the director where you're sitting yep. down together and you're, you're cutting it all. And then once, once he or she is happy agency come in and, and you sort of, you, you know, play the game again, um, through COVID things have obviously changed. You know, we haven't necessarily totally. been able to have people in rooms and, um, you know, even, even if we have, it's kind of been limited amount of people, et cetera. Uh, can you give us a bit of a, a sense of how things changed for you when, when COVID really hit um, back in mid-March? So a lot of the shooting stopped. Um, that was, the, that was the first thing. And there's been a lot less director based productions, right? So, um, and when we have worked with the director, it's, you do the edit and send it off to them. They'll review it a few times, get some ideas together, and then you hop on a phone call mm. uh, for an hour or so, talk through, um, you know, hopes and fears and, and what there is. And you do that at the start. They, you know, they shoot. It, it, um, you have that hopes and fears chat. You cut it. You have the next one. And then you kind of get it. it it's just a lot more sort of, I mean, we use Digital Pigeon, but it's a lot more you know, uh, frame IO or whatever it is, sessions where you're mm. just sending lots of back and forward whips um, until they're happy rather than sitting and doing it, um, sending a select role with time code on it. And and we used to do that back in the old days as well, where you'd mm. send a VHS to the director mm-hmm. uh, on a multi-day shoot so that of the rushes um, or a select or something like that. So they could sit at, in, you know, their hotel room or house or whatever at the end of the day two shoot or day three shoot, you know, and we have a zoom chat sometimes to talk mm. through stuff. And I can, mm-hmm. I've done zoom chats where I just screen share and go, is this what you want or that or whatever? Mm. Um, I've, I've found that playback. I mean, we've got uh, NBN and I've got a business package at home, so I'm mm. working from home, but it still isn't um, as good as watching video on video. So it's, it's tended to be better for them just to download it and watch it. Yeah. But I can pull up rushes and go, Hey, is this the shot you want? Is this good? Is yeah, that that's right? true. Yeah, that's, that's true. Oh, we, we had a similar issue where we were, um, we were showing an edit over zoom and the creatives were like, no, it's got to, 
cut on that shot when she says X and it's like, it is cutting on that shot. Yeah, it is. There was yeah. like this weird lag and, and they just weren't, they weren't seeing it. And so you sort of have to end up sending them the file anyway. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued about the idea though, of sort of sending them a, a, a bunch of selects that are time coded, I guess, so they can sort of scrub through it themselves and say, yep. oh, hey, here at, um, you know, 15 minutes and 20 seconds, whatever. Um, can we try that shot? I, I guess what that, what that does though for you is you've got to put that shot in re-export it send it off to them and and wait to hear and sometimes you'll probably know already that's just not going to cut what what happens in that situation i'd I'd put it in send it off and then they go oh that doesn't work and (laughs) and that's the like i've i've worked out um like i think i think the first thing you learn well one of the first things i had to learn as an editor was um like i might do a really great cut and i was really proud and then i'd show to the director mm-hmm. and they'd be like oh it's, i'm not feeling this at all yeah. and then i'd be like it's oh, it's fantastic and i think the people you know i'd seen a lot of junior editors over the years and the people that can't get over the the concept that it's some some you know someone else is effectively the boss um and that even though what you've done might be fantastic it's not what they want um once you get over that you know, ego hit or whatever it is initially. Um, and you realize it's collaboration. Um, I, I sort of have a policy of there's no bad ideas and I'll, I'll do anything and mm-hmm. however long it takes or however long it takes to get there, we'll, we'll get there in the end until, you know, pretty much hopefully everyone's happy and, and we have a good edit. Some, you know, having a good edit and having everyone happy isn't always the same thing. Um, and I, I think that's what is actually great about this collaborative environment is that you know you i am constantly surprised even though i think i know a lot of things um i'm always surprised that i don't know anything and just being mindful of that uh and remembering that and that there's always a different way to do something is i think important in well in anything but especially in editing how do you um manage that sort of being humble like that because obviously you know like um uh you've done this for for quite some time you're probably um sometimes making calls that are um better than some of the people that you work with um and it is a sort of common creative challenge to um uh to manage your own sort of ego sort of what works for you in trying to keep that sort of grounded uh, approach to editing um i i think it's largely I know that they're, they're invested heavily, you know, whether it's the agency or the client, they are investing heavily in this and they, what they want, I, I want to make them happy. So at, at a certain point I have to put on their hand and go, okay, I can see how this will, um, is more important to, you know, like having a pack shot up for 10 seconds of a 30 second mm-hmm. commercial. If that's what they really need, then they, then they can have it and I can try as best to get the rest of it done um, for them. Um, you know, and, and it is, you know, effectively I, I do look at it that I'm incredibly lucky to work in this industry, do what I want to do. Um, you know, which is effectively filmmaking, but you know, the, the compromise is I, I'm making ads, so I'm getting paid, um, for it and, and I can live my life and, and not worry about money or any of that sort of stuff. Um, and have a fulfilling career. So I always look at the upside. One of the things I've always enjoyed when you work with an editor who will just sort of um, uh, try a bad idea just to see what happens. And and obviously in that experimental spirit is one of the things you always sort of seek out. Given that you're now sort of sending edits and you're experimenting in a way that just has has a longer tail end to it, 
Do you find that edits are taking longer um, in this new environment? Do you, do you find that they're, it's shorter because there's less conversation? You know, what are the, what are the benefits and what are the things you're sort of giving up at the moment? I reckon it's half and half. It, it's probably exactly the same time because there is shorter back and forward, but um, the, uh, and there is less conversation or th- there's more versions, but there's less conversation. So, you know, it sort of averages out in that regard. Um, I, I do tend to send versions. So, you know, um, if, if the music brief isn't, you know, like you have to use this track and find a track or something like that, or here's, here's an idea. I might grab a whole bunch of different, you know, real left field tracks, put them on there, um, uh, and and send four or five versions. And and then it, it's interesting to see because sometimes when you do something really unexpected, um, like put some, you know, they, they kind of want a rock and roll track, you know, ACDC, and you put some like French jazz on there or something, mm-hmm. um, and, and it just breaks their brain and, and how they recover from it. Um, and go, actually, you're right. This is really smart or not. Nah, we just can't go there. Or, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, having that left field, I'll send edits often. And, and now I still did the same, like I'd present all those edits and now it's almost easier because I don't have to sit there while they eye roll and be like, oh, why are you doing this? Um, and, and sometimes it's a complete miss, but I'm, I'm happy to do those complete misses, mm-hmm. um, just for the sake of the few times when you get it. And, and, you know, hopefully you blow someone's mind because they just haven't thought about it in that way at all. Um, and, and, it's, and it's a complete step up from what they were expecting. Um, I'm, I'm willing to always take those risks. So, so now I just send them off and I don't have to sit through the present, like playing them all. Um, and so in some ways it's easier to just have some crazy ideas, put them together and send them off and then mm-hmm. hope some of them hit as well with them as they did with me when I made them. So I think the thing that I find difficult with, with sending F edits off rather than having um, creatives and particularly client in the room is that they seem to show it around to anybody who's in their near vicinity and ask for opinions. And so you end up getting yep. feedback from, um, you know, 10 people in the office, whereas it would have been a client in the room previously, just, just signing it off or, or making small changes themselves and, yeah, and I, that accountability. You get that anyway. I was working on a job which was probably a five, six, seven day shoot or something like that. And I'd cut the first one and it went to client and the client, you know, uh, it got all the way up to the CEO and the CEO, you know, showed it to a whole bunch of his friends and the, and they didn't like it. And, and the whole campaign got cut, you know, um, and that was, that was a pretty decent budget campaign. Mm. And I was in the middle of cutting the four other edits, thirties that were going to be made off that thing. Wow. Um, and you know, it's just it happens. So, and maybe that just happens earlier in the process now. For you, for most of the advertising jobs you do, who, who do you um, see as your main client, or who is your main client nine times out of ten? Is it the director? Is it the producer? Or is it the client? Like, how close do you get to that end um, person that's going to sort of make the decision? I try to be as close to all of them as I can so that I can understand their perspective and try and deliver for them. The, the, it, it's strange. Um, I've got a really good relationship with certain agencies. Um, and so I'll get, I've been requested by agencies and then the, and I mean, to be honest, some of the directors I work with was not forced, but asked to cut with me for, mm-hmm. um, from an agency. 
and then and we hadn't cut together and then we cut together and then now you know they use me all the time like i'll always make sure everyone's try to make sure everyone's happy and and that's that balancing act because even if the um, agency's paying for the post i still want to make sure the director's happy i don't want to just go sorry director you know you've put all your effort in you've shot what you want to shoot but you know the agency's paying you paying the bills Mm. um and so i'm just gonna have to cut you out now um i've had directors ejected from edit suites um you know I've, i've had all that sort of stuff happen um you know multiple times over my career uh, i've had screaming matches between directors and and agencies um and and you know clients and i you know like i've i've seen all that it's a lot less now you know that that's more a you know holdover from the 90s or so, all that mm. sort of stuff it's, yeah. it's rare these days but but it's more like quiet um you, it's it's still probably there just under the surface everyone's a lot more quiet and and <laughs> more like little looks or something and i can it's more passive um, aggressive more passive aggressive, aggressive. aggressive. <laughs> um, after the fact yeah and, yeah and and it's like everyone leaves and then you get this giant email later of of feedback or something like that um but i, I always try to make sure everyone's opinions heard everyone's opinion seen so even if the agency really wants something that the director doesn't want I'll always make sure they see the director's version. I'll always put it forward. Mm. And and even if they're like, oh, we don't need to see that. I'm like, no, we let's let's just see what the director intended. Um, hey, so back to sort of COVID-y kind of stuff. Are you yep. are you back in the office at the moment? Are you working from no. the office? No. No, we've I I we've got some servers at the office um that are still ticking, but I brought one of the servers home, uh, which is sort of the avid uh media one. Yeah. Um and then um so Felicity is my wife. So fortunately, we have an editor and a flame op in our house running oh, yeah. off the server, nice. um, which is which is good. Um, and but we've got kids, so that becomes tricky when mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'm editing this, well, I'm doing that, and who's yeah. going to deal with the kids at the moment? So it's been a little bit of that, but um, but we've got that explains the late nights you were talking about. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and sometimes well, it's also we've had a whole bunch of work on and. Uh, we've been relatively lucky in that some of our clients um, have been continuing to advertise mm. throughout this period. And and it's a lot less, there's not really shoots. It's more like uh, one of the things um, is we're doing some government work. And so that's not shoot related, but mm. it's, you know, um, you know, animation and that sort of stuff, which mm-hmm. isn't, you know, uh, what we, our biggest part of our business, but we can do it and, mm-hmm. and we've been doing it and getting it out you know, yeah. as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, are, and, and are all the jobs coming in sort of COVID related jobs at the moment? Um, no, surprisingly, there's some non COVID related jobs, but there, there was a period where it was um, brand name COVID-19 brand name. Like if I look at our job folder, brand name COVID-19 brand name, you know, <laughs> job X, job X, job X, you know, with COVID-19 at the end. Yeah. Um, and then there was, and then it went COVID-19, same brand name phase two you know and it was like phase two phase two phase two um of the messaging and then and then now it's sort of gone back to where people are like well people are sick of COVID ads and um we we just need to make a standard ad and Mm. that can roll either way um either with existing there's been a lot more existing footage where i've gotten existing footage and recut especially car stuff or it's like car stuff from overseas here's some (laughs) Is overseas footage. We just need to cut it. We can't shoot at the moment. Yeah. 
Um, so even if the jobs aren't specifically, you know, men- mentioning COVID or anything, are you kind of noticing that from a production perspective that they are influenced by COVID, i.e. there's no big kissing scene or there's not a huge groups of people or they're, they're written to be able to be produced during COVID times? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a the, – the reality on set is that, um, you know, you have to change your idea – so that it's shootable um, and, and you always shoot to budget, but it's just, there's different um, technical requirements on how many people can be on set at a time um, and, and how. So there's, there's just been a little bit more of those sort of single person exploring the environment kind of um, commercials, which is, which are kind of enjoyable anyway. Mm. Um, pretty pictures sort of stuff, um, which is normally a you know cameraman or steady cam or something like that, and, mm. and a single talent, um, and then you got video village separated, and um, or, or it's even more separated. So yeah, yeah, people are just I think creative people are very creative, and they uh, work out different ways to get a message across and 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 how to execute on it. Um, you got pretty smart production companies and and mm. people solving those problems mm-hmm. um, to deal with the current you know. Uh, limits on people on set and and how things can actually be executed. The the car thing's the trickiest thing because a lot of that's car to car and and when you have a uh, tracking vehicle, mm. even with all the you know, you, you need someone operating camera. You normally have the director uh, in there that's that's calling the plays as mm. it were, um, and then you've got you know the the DOP and a and a focus puller slash you know uh, operator mm. that's that's rolling the thing. So you kind of and the driver. So you end up needing four people in the car, which is a bit tricky. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, people are working around it mostly. Um, and, and, you know, it's just the types of ads change. And I think, I think we'll be able to identify it a little bit better a couple of years from now. And you go, Oh, that, you know, you've got all the cliche COVID ads, but I yeah. think afterwards we'll have the cliche. They won't be as cliche, um, but it'll be apparent that that's how they, they were made that way because of the, the concept and mm. i think maybe three years from now we'll see lots of group commercials where there's people all <laughs> everywhere together hugging right so yeah. Mm. yeah very tricky well it sounds like you guys are, are kicking along well and you've, you've obviously got a great system you know um especially especially because you were able to call it a bit early and make sure you're all set up and ready to go uh so thanks for giving us a bit of an insight today in, into what you do there at, at mr fox and, and how you've been working through um through covid thank you thanks for having me so, Brendan, what kind of producer are you? You know, in the edit suite, are you the kind that looks over <laughs> an editor's shoulder and points at a timeline? <laughs> or uh, are you quite happy to receive edits over email and just provide feedback? I spend less time looking at a timeline and more time looking at my watch, generally speaking, just to make sure that we're staying on, on track and on schedule. But look, as a general rule, I try and I try and stay out of um, the creative process. If a, if a director wants me in the room for any specific reason, I'm always sort of happy to be there, but I'd, I'd rather kind of let the director and the editor just um, just come up with their, their own solution and, and not get too involved um, until obviously it gets to a point where, you know, the, they show an edit and it's not what it's supposed to be and, and at which point you've, you've got to jump in. Yeah, it's interesting to hear um, Andrew's take on who his client is and the way that he has to sort of balance mm. up 
Yeah. He's got the director on one hand, he's got a producer, he's got the end client, and he's really about maximizing the experience for all parties mm-hmm. rather than just holding tightly to an edit that he really loves. That takes, I think, a lot of maturity as a freelancer as an, and as an editor yeah. uh, over time to develop that. Um, that way of working, I think. Yeah, to be it's a really, really tricky balance. And I mean, I think that we sort of, as producers, we kind of find ourselves constantly um, balancing, you know, between directors, between what's technically capable, between agency and between client um, uh, to make sure that we get the best result for everybody. And, and Andrew's obviously in that similar headspace. Mm. Um, well, I think that's about all we've got time for in this episode. Um, hit subscribe on the website, productionbrief.com, if you want to know when new episodes are out. Otherwise, you can subscribe via your platform of choice. Until next time, stay safe. And if you're in Melbourne, please wear a mask. And hopefully that helps and this thing will be over soon. Mm-hmm.